Good morning, Creekside. Hello, fam. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted you there. Guess that could be a New Year's resolution. Happy New Year's! Or New Year. I don't. Why do people add the S to the end of it? You guys notice that? I definitely do it. I'm catching myself more. But Happy New Year. We're here, 2023. The beginning of a new year always brings in some great anticipation and emotions. Some of us get really excited about the process of a new year, and some of us get really like, okay, what is this year going to bring us again? And that's kind of how we approach different years because the possibilities are endless. I mean, New year, new me, right? The classic phrase this time of year, the hashtag we all will be seeing for a little bit, at least the next week. And personally, I love this time of year because I love goals. I love New Year's resolutions. I love the idea of just running after something, of trying to seek to be more like Jesus or a goal that you're like, I just really want to do blank. And if you're not like me and you haven't written down any of your goals, that's completely okay because it's the first day of the year. But if you are like me, I mean, how many of you have already written down some goals or have some ideas of what you want to do in the new year? Let's be honest. Raise your hand. Perfect. Ten of us. I love it. Good. That fits well with the sermon then. Love it. Uh, If you aren't somebody who writes down your goals, I thought it'd be kind of fun to give you a list of the top 10 goals of 2022. This is not my top 10 goals. This is the internet's top 10 goals. This is not an internet website of like, well, I shouldn't say that, but like, I don't think it's Christian based. So this is just the top 10 goals from a poll that was taken in 2020. Can any of you guys guess the first one? So... Very close, very close. Any other guesses? Exercise. Yes, the first one. Oh, this should be turned on. Just to get the clicker to work. That is correct. It is exercise more. And the second one is super similar to the first one, honestly. Uh, Some of you felt like that was your year right there. You're like, yeah, New Year, and you're on your face, right? Uh, That was number one. Do you guys have any guess for what's number two? I will say somebody already said it. Lose weight. weight. Yes, lose weight. And we're going to run through this list really quick. So exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save more, slash spend less. That could have been two, but they put it as one. Quit smoking, spend time with loved ones, travel more, and read more. Good luck with that. I hear you. All these goals are phenomenal, right? Every single one of them is great for building up your character, for building up, you know, your personality, for physical health, mental health, and kind of spiritual health. And we look at this list and you'd be like, man, like, if one of those were my goals, I'd want to follow through on it. But when we look at New Year's resolutions and when we think of these things, we also have to think of what is the percentage of people that actually follow through? 
And I know your guys are like, come on, Nathan, are you serious right now? You're going to bring this up? Like, aren't you supposed to be optimistic like Mark? I am optimistic. <laughs> I just like to share reality at the same time, okay? So if you're wondering if New Year's resolutions at the end of a year are actually done or if the percentage is very high, because like I said, if you look at this list, this is great. Exercise more. If you didn't exercise at all, that just means do one thing. You did it. Done. Right? But the percentage is not very high. Let's take a look. Can you hit the next slide? Perfect. After one week, 75% of people continue. After two weeks, 71. One month, 64. Six months, 46. And after a year, 9 to 12% of people are able to keep it going. Don't know why there's a range for the last one, because I'm like, can't you just pick one of the numbers? But 9 to 10, this is the website, not me. Interestingly enough, there was another percentage that was a part of this that I didn't put up there. These are people who said they had a New Year's resolution, who possibly had written it down. Out of people who didn't do that, only 4% of people finished a goal. 4% of people. And goals are very healthy. And the truth is that most goals are started for a good reason. But that doesn't mean we ever complete it. That doesn't mean that we ever finish our goals. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty by sharing that exercise more was number one or by sharing that most of us in this room will not complete a goal this year. That is not why I'm sharing this at all. In fact, last year I had a list of goals and I think I only met one. Okay? That, so there is no judgment here at all. I understand that it is difficult to finish goals. But I think if we understand why goals are so difficult to hit, we might set better expectations for ourselves and for the people around us. Because as I'm looking around, I see a lot of kids in here. What would it look like if we set expectations for ourselves and goals that our kids or other generations younger than us or even older than us can aspire to? So, like I said, I'm not a Debbie Downer, but I'm going to share this with you guys. Based on studies done in 2014, here's why people did not finish their New Year's resolutions. 35% of participants said they had unrealistic goals. 33% said they didn't keep track of their progress. 23 said they forgot. <laughs> there is value in writing things down. Okay? One in 10 said they failed because they had too many resolutions. I read this list and I'm like, okay, unrealistic goals. Set a realistic goal. Like, obviously push yourself a little bit, but if you didn't do, if you didn't read any books this year, don't say you're going to read a book a week. Okay? Say you're going to read two books next year. That is realistic, right? 33% people didn't keep track. Every week, take a second to write down what you did with your goal, not just in general, like, okay, on Tuesday, I had lunch with Mark, and we went to Lazy Dog. No, not that, okay? Don't do that. Do something else. Don't forget, pick two to three goals. Pick one goal, just one. And when I look at this, and as I've read about goals and habits, I honestly think there are three reasons why we don't follow through. One, we don't recognize that it takes time. 
Two, we don't recognize that it takes sacrifice. And three, we lack desire. We lack the desire it actually takes to make changes in our life because the status quo is easy. But could it be that we're not following through on our goals because we don't have the right focus? And I'm not saying this as like Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the gym lifting weights and he's like, focus! That is not what I mean at all. What I mean by that is what are we becoming by what we're doing? We need to continually ask ourselves, is what I'm doing making me more like Jesus or is it making me more like something else? Are my goals pushing me closer to Jesus or are my goals keeping me in a rhythm of unhappiness or a rhythm of unhealth? And as we head into a new year and we think and see things like, can you go to the next slide? New year, new me. Who is the new you you are pursuing? Is it a new person that is more like Jesus? Because Paul in scripture says when we accept and we pursue Jesus, we are a new creation. A new creation that can be more like Jesus every single day as we make different decisions to pursue him. It is a process and it is not easy at times. And other times it is easy because Jesus is the prince of peace. He walks with us. He doesn't leave us on our own. And Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And we need to lay things down in this life to pursue him. And so as we head into the Bible this morning and as we head into a new year, I want us to keep in mind what is it that we are pursuing that is making us like Jesus? Or are we just simply becoming something else? So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Hebrews 12, 1. Hebrews 12, 1, and the verses will be on the screen. Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, as we dive into this sermon today, as we dive into your word and what the author is trying to get at here, Lord, I pray that you would calm our hearts and our minds. May we not be so anxious about this upcoming year, but may we see it as an opportunity to sit in your presence. May we see it as an opportunity to be who you are in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our marriages, in our friendships. May we see it as an opportunity to lay the weight and sin aside and pursue you as the author, founder, and finisher of our faith. Amen. As we take a look at this scripture and we look at what the author is sharing here, it seems to me the author is saying something about what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And as we read verse one, we see a really interesting phrase here. 
a great or yeah, a great cloud of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses. What in the world is that referring to? Well, the cool thing about the Bible is when a sentence starts with therefore, you have to look back. You have to look back at what was said right before this. And so since we're in Hebrews 12, we have to look back at Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is this amazing section of scripture that highlights all the greats of the Old Testament. It is a callback to all the men and women who demonstrated tremendous faith. Those that had endured hardship by their words and their lives were so dedicated to being faithful to God. Now, if you read some of their stories, like Abraham um, and Noah, you will recognize these people were not perfect. Not even close. Not even close at all. But if you hear one thing this morning... Well, I hope you hear a lot of things, but this one right here really hit me as I was working on this, is that perfection is not a qualification for holiness. It is not a qualification for faithfulness. A willing heart is, though. A willing heart to go, you know what? I made a mistake. I will try to be better. That's all we can do. A heart that is willing to take a step towards God and listen to what he calls us to do. That is what it takes to be a great cloud of witnesses. And we as followers of Jesus and as people who have this book in front of us has so many different examples of what it looks like to step out in faith, not in a perfect way at all. Literally just read some of the Old Testament stories and you'll go, what the heck? It is not about perfection. It's about going, in this moment right now, I'm going to lay everything aside, and I'm going to be faithful to the God that called me to do it. And that's what the people that are a part of the cloud of witnesses did. Not always, not perfectly, but they knew how to lay things aside to pursue the right thing. And we, as followers of Jesus, are meant to do the exact same thing. We are called to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings so closely to us. Now, I know we've already talked about exercise, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. These weights here are not physical weights. I'm sorry to say, I know some of you guys were like, wait, what? No, the Bible just there approved that I don't have to work out this year. That is not what this is saying at all. What this means is a weight that is pulling you away from your walk with God. And I can't tell you exactly what that weight is. And it may not actually be really a sin. This weight could be an addiction to your phone. It could be watching too many shows, neglecting your health, caring too much about your health, not reading, reading too much. Or it could be your thought habits. I don't know, when I get in some negative thought patterns, I feel this great weight on me. Maybe the weight here has nothing to do with the activities of life, but it has everything to do with what's going on up here. And the reason I can't tell you what that is is because when we decide to follow Jesus, he loves you just the way you are. 
just the way you are with every sin, with every hurt, with every pain, with every struggle, with every joy that you love, love and have. He loves you just the way you are. And when you accept him, he accepts you right then and there. But the story doesn't end there. See, as you spend time with him, you begin to recognize areas of your life that you're going, wow, this actually, it's not shaping me to be like Jesus. I need to let this go. And that comes from spending time with him, from understanding who he is. He is the one that calls us away so that we can pursue the best thing. And that's why we, I can't tell you what the weight is in your life. That's why I can't. That is between you and God. But you will know something is a weight in your life it is, if it is keeping you away from the creator of the universe. If it is something that is pulling you away from knowing who you really are in the eyes of God, that is a weight in your life. Sin, on the other hand, is a little more obvious. It's anything that goes against something that God calls us to do. And sin sometimes is enticing. It is. It clings to us. But honestly, it's like a disease that clings to us because it kills our soul over time. And although it may be enticing and it may be instant gratification, the long-term and short-term damages to your souls outweigh the instant gratification. But the good news about Jesus is that he came and died, and it was the joy that was set before him that kept him on the cross, despising the same shame and sin that we have. That is what he died for on the cross for us. And that is the good news, that Jesus came down and died so that we can experience freedom from the weights and sin that are so tied to us. And Jesus longs for a relationship with you. He longs for a relationship with you. But sin creates a divide. Sin gets in the way. And that's why this verse is about running away from it, laying that stuff aside and pursuing Jesus. Because we become what we do. And if we are engulfed in the sin and weight of this age, we won't make time for Jesus. We won't make time for God. We won't be like Jesus. We'll be like everyone else. But we are meant to stand out. We are meant to be a holy people. We are meant to be a part of that great cloud of witnesses that are not perfect, but that are faithful. And I love that this section talks about it as a race. Not because I'm a runner, but because honestly, life feels like a race at times, right? It could be difficult and you just wanna give up, but there are also times in life, or if you're a runner, you know this, where you hit this running high, right? And it's like, you can accomplish anything. You're like, I could just keep going for days. I don't recommend it, but you feel that way. And if you're not a runner, it's like when you get done with a really long book, that feeling that you have, or a painting, or any project that you've worked so hard on, but you will complete it right then and there. The feeling of, wow, I can do anything and I can keep going. Running is a brilliant analogy because as you run, even on the runner's high and the deepest lows where you're just like, this sucks, your emotions, you go through all of them on a run. 
Every single emotion you have, if you're doing a race, you feel every single one. From happiness of being like, yay, we're at the start, to why am I running, to I hate running, to lots and lots of suffering. <laughs> lots of suffering. But also happiness. When you run over a hill and then you see that downhill. <laughs> yes. That is something to celebrate. But these emotions will continue until we hit the finish line. And here we see that Jesus is our objective. Jesus is our guide. Jesus is our goal. He is our finish line. Jesus is the author, founder, and perfecter of our faith. And we are to look to Jesus in this race of life because he lived a perfect life and yet he was the ultimate sacrifice. He taught us how to love God and love others, not just in deed and not just in talk, but from the deepest conditions of his heart. And we can only have our hearts changed when we sit before him and when we spend time with him. He is the only one that can truly, truly love us and change our hearts on this race of life. He took on our sin and shame so that we don't have to let those weigh us down. There is an evil in this world that Jesus took on on the cross. And the good news is that he died, he rose again, and he is seated at the right hand of God. And why is that good news? Because when God sees you, he looks through the lens of Jesus. A man that loves you more than you will ever know. A perfect man who shows us how to live in this book. A man who changes our heart as we spend time with him. Why wouldn't we want to have Jesus as the author of our life? Why wouldn't we want him to be the driving force of our goals? And these verses do have to do with goals because as I read them, I'm reminded as followers of Jesus, our goals should be Jesus. It should be to be more like him. And so many of our goals are superficial. So many of our goals are about us. In fact, three of the four goals that I have this year are about me. I want to read 60 books. I want to write two books. I want to run a 30-mile race. You can tell me I'm crazy later, okay? Thank you. <laughs> those are simply things that I want, though. But if those goals begin to get in the place of spending time with my creator, I need to let them go. They are simply a weight that is weighing me down. They're not the objective. Because nothing matters more than spending time with Jesus. Nothing matters more than learning who we are through the eyes of Jesus. Nothing matters more than loving the people from the left to your right to outside these walls, just like Jesus did. And nothing matters more than loving God the way that Jesus loved God. And so as we head into a new year and as we continue to run this race that is set before us, are we willing to throw off every weight and sin that so easily entangles us? And are we willing to go, you know what, Jesus has to be the focus of my life? Can we go to the next slide? 
And we have to answer the question, is Jesus even the focus of my life? Is Jesus really the author, finisher of my faith? Do I even know where to seek him? Do I even know about him? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. And the best way to know who Jesus is, is to pick up this book. Because I believe this right here is about humanity's journey of failing over and over and over and over again. But it's also about a God that never stops chasing after us. About a God that would send his only son to die so that we don't have to. That is what this book is about. And in these pages, we learn who Jesus is. In the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we read these pages about Jesus' life. What if we stopped reading it as just a simple book, but we started reading it as an autobiography? What if we started reading it in a way of, wow, how did Jesus live? Oh man, Jesus would wake up and go and pray? You mean I have to sacrifice sleep? Five minutes. Five minutes, that's it. Wake up five minutes earlier and pray. You don't want to just start out right away unless you're crazy and you're like, you know what? Well, Jesus, you don't know how much time he had, but it was obviously dark, so I'm going to wake up two hours earlier. No, start with five minutes. Five minutes of sitting and learning from Jesus. Read your Bible as if it's an autobiography of Jesus. Study his life. Learn from what he did. And as my favorite pastor other than Mark said, (laughs) Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And one thing that Jesus did a lot, as I already shared, is pray. As we enter into a new year, pray. Five minutes a day. Maybe step it up if you want to later, or maybe if you're like, you know what, Nathan, you have no idea my schedule. I don't have five minutes. Do you have 30 seconds? Do you drive somewhere in the morning? I think we overthink prayer way too much, way too much. We overcomplicate it. We get scared because you're like, man, I'm sitting before the God of the universe. That's a little intimidating. But guess what? That God of the universe made you. He loves you. He knows all the darkness that you've ever done, are doing, and are going to do, and yet he still loves you. And all he wants is for you to sit with him. Prayer is a conversation, which means sometimes it's you speaking to God, and sometimes it's just sitting and listening. And some of the most formational times for me in my prayer has been when I've just sat and I've just thought about the fact that God loves me. Maybe in this new year, what we need to do is spend five minutes a day just sitting before the creator of the universe saying, thank you for loving me. Help me know that I am loved by you. And then just sitting in that. Just sit for five minutes and let that wash over you. That is the best place to begin your journey in knowing and understanding who Jesus is. And there are some other examples that I can give you too, because we here at Creekside do seek to glorify God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. That is our mission statement. And we do that through our Sunday gatherings, through our men's ministry, through our women's ministry, through our groups, our discipleship programs, our youth and kids ministries, our young adults ministry. 
All of these things are designed so that we can pursue Jesus together and that we can invite others to do the same. Our groups are a great model of this, where we have gospel communities that is a family feel, where anybody, even your neighbor, is welcome to come in and just sit and get to know the people in your circle. We have discipleship groups, which dive deep into biblical themes and books of the Bible, trying to understand what it means to live out this life with Jesus together. We have biblical discipleship plans on our website that are crafted to spark conversation with people. They're crafted so we can begin to know who God is and who we are. And if you're curious about this and you're like, well, that's great, but who is God and what really is this church about? Guess what? Mark and I are here for you on this journey. You are not alone on your walk with Christ. You're not alone on this journey of life. You have a church family that is around you that loves you. You have Mark and I that would love to have a conversation with you. But as we learned in the Advent season, we also have a God that is with us. You are not alone. And to seek to glorify God, we do need to find life in Jesus together because you're not alone. You can talk with a friend. You can talk with a pastor. But let's finish this race well. Let's seek Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith because he is our author. And as I close out the sermon, I want to give you one more tangible thing because it's also going to make me have to have some accountability. And I want to tell you something I suck at. (laughs) I told you three of my goals. I have a fourth one. And I want to share this with you because I believe that it is an example of what it means to have Jesus as a focus on a goal. I am not saying I'm perfect as you are about to know, okay? Over the last year, through counseling, prayer, meditation, and time and reflection on scripture, I have come to realize that I am not a content person. I've had mentors that have taught me that work is more important than family. I've had people that have shown me that uh, striving for what you want is more important than anything else. And I've slowly had to rewire my brain and rewire my heart. But I am not perfect in this. And I know that I am not content in some things. But as Paul, one of the authors of the New Testament, shares that we should be content in any situation. As Jesus said to John, uh, I'm I'm definitely paraphrasing this here. (laughs) At the end of the book of John, I believe. Uh, John says something to Jesus, and Jesus basically turns to him and says, you know what? It doesn't matter what that person's doing. In fact, it doesn't matter what you don't have or you do have. You follow me. And what that means to me is if Jesus is the author, the founder, and finisher of my faith, I need to learn what it means to be content with what is, with what I have, with who I am even as I seek to go after him because it's Jesus who changes things, not me. And so I'm taking the next year to seek what it means to be content. And I have no doubt that it's going to be terrifying and very scary. And I'm sure some of you will tell me how I should do it. And I love that because you're my family. And maybe I shouldn't have shared this. Maybe I shouldn't have. But I believe in vulnerability and I believe that our church is a family. And I just want to be able to be an example for everyone in here 
of what it means to have Jesus as the founder. Wow, it did not expect me to get emotional at that part. Uh, as a founder and finisher of our faith, of our goals in the new year, I know Mark wants the same thing. But we want to be a family that is able to share our goals, that can be honest with one another. And so I think it's worth asking, is Jesus the focus of your life? What is it that God is calling you to do this year? And I would encourage you, whatever God is calling you to, lay aside every weight and every sin which clings to you and run the race that is set before you. Looking to Jesus as the founder, author, and finisher of your faith. Lord, as we head into this new year and as we head into a time of worship, I pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, our minds, and our bodies for what you have for us this year. Lord, I pray if there is a desire within us that does not seek after you with all we say and all we do and our heart condition, Lord, that you would transform us. Lord, I pray that we would know that we are not meant to be like everyone else, but you created us to be image bearers of you in this world. So Lord, I pray these verses over us this year. That although we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that we would lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us. That we would run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, founder, and finisher of our faith. Lord, may we recognize that Jesus through the joy that was set before him, took on our sin, our shame, and the evil of this world. And he is now seated at your right hand. May we look to him as our guide. May we look to him as our author. May we look to him as our founder. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.